0: Hello and welcome to Women of Influence podcast. Hi, I'm Jay Land with the J Group Real Estate Team. The Great American Speakoff. One of my favorites. <laughs> Get so excited every time I see that little intro, it just gets me so motivated. Welcome, everyone, to another Women of Influence broadcast. Today, I am so honored to have with me the one and only Sandra Shannon. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you, Jalen,
1: for having me today. I'm excited to be here, and I love that intro too.
0: Thank you, thank you so much. So, Sandra and I met at a Grant Cardone 10x event. And my husband and I both like fell in love with not only you, with you and your husband and just such great energy about you and such such a great connection. And I'm, I'm glad that we've stayed in touch over the past, I don't know, 18 months or however long it's been. But Sandra, you are a master at helping businesses with their attractions and their revenue and profitability um, to do with their ticket sales. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do? It's really interesting.
1: Sure, sure. I know it's definitely like its own thing. And still to this day, I feel like my mother doesn't understand what I do for a living because it is (laughs) such a unique business to be in. But, you know, we're focused on helping ticketed attractions or ticketed businesses really find profitability to create as many offers as possible just to kind of give every have something for everyone when you are either hosting an event or you have a ticketed business you know like an attraction and attractions you know kind of encompass everything from theme parks water parks zoos museums tourist attractions i mean you name it i mean we all buy these experiences Um, I I know you guys like concerts. So even something like that, festivals and concerts, you know, are things that, you know, we love to be able to participate in and help people, you know, not only monetize these events, but also, you know, create a better buying experience when you are doing this, because it can be quite a big investment, especially if you're taking a family.
0: That sounds like such a huge undertaking. I know personally, speaking of concerts, Kelly and I do go to a lot of concerts, a lot of festivals, and there have been some experiences that have been a little bit less than favorable. So I can imagine there's like a lot of detail and work that goes into that detail in that experience without getting the audience like too confused. Can you like walk us through like what what should that process look like to make it seamless? I mean, for me, I'm a big
1: advocate of one, you know, having offers for everyone. And, you know, what that means is a guided shopping cart experience and very clear communication on what they can expect, what's being offered. Um, and and I mean, not without getting too deep into the weeds of, of the processes, because uh, every institution might have us implement different things depending on what their offers are. But oftentimes, just making sure that, you know, it's, it's a well thought out process. You don't, want, you don't want people to be confused. Like you just said, you don't want to, you know, you don't want, this is not part of the memorable experience, although it is often the first experience that many patrons of festivals, concerts, theme parks, any of these ticketed venues, it's the first experience they have with you. So while we don't want it, you know, if we're memorable, it's oftentimes because the experience was not great, right? So (laughs) we're here to help solve that and uh, really make sure that, you know, if I'm planning for me, if I'm planning to go to an attraction as a mom with a family of five, you know, I don't want to have to juggle multiple platforms, which oftentimes creates a lot of confusion or have to uh, guess whether or not one of us is getting in because three of us bought adult tickets and two had children's tickets. And and how is that going to work? You know, just really take the guesswork out of that buying experience
0: and make it so that, you know, it's easy. It should be easy. So that, that sounds great. So basically is, is what you do, you help businesses create that ticket experience and you basically handle it from soup to nuts, from, from the website design, app design, and making the whole process completely like click—you know where to go. Here's what to do.
1: Yeah, and you know what's really unique about us, and I love that you mentioned the websites. Is we create a seamless experience from their marketing site, so their their public page, their whether it's a landing page or it's the uh, the just the website in general. For us, you know, we're not trying to be gate master for these businesses on their site. We are trying to be part of that experience. It's fully branded for them. Um, it's 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 creating for me. I like to say we're creating an experience within their website, but it's about that. It's about the client that I'm serving, which is the attraction or the festival And not so much about the ticketing experience. Because I'm sure you've been on ticketed sites. I I mean, I don't want to say the name of the biggest elephant in the room, right? Right. You go to buy concert tickets and their name is all over that. Mm -hmm. And, And our company and with regards to our mission, it's about
0: making sure they're
1: massively successful. And what is being showcased is that venue.
0: Got it. I'm sure you probably can't mention names, but what have been maybe a couple of your favorite projects that you've worked on as far as maybe a couple of different types of projects or brands or, you know, types of attractions?
1: Um, you know, when I, early on in my career, so I've been with the company for 23 years. And um, and actually, when I started, I was the youngest and only woman in the company. And I was the definitely the low man. You know, it was, it it was, yeah, they were, I mean, I know the founder was taking a risk on me and I knew that, that a lot of the men on the team were struggling with the idea of having this young woman on the team who, uh, you know, I did bring some operational experience because I had worked for a company that was a customer of the, of GateMaster first but one of the most memorable experiences that I have, and and I, I, I'll I tell the story the way that I usually tell it was I went to work for somebody who used to, uh, we, we were working for a man who used to own the Philadelphia 76ers, and he was creating a museum. And it was one of the first museums to ever implement animatronics and access control. And access control did not even exist. This was probably like 2003, 2005. You know, we had turnstiles back in the old days, but um, This was where you would take a ticket and you would scan it. So like you've seen today, you can scan your phone, you can scan a ticket. And we had developed our own access control that we mounted on a turnstile and uh, we built it in our lab. uh, And when I got there and I was in Key West, we uh, we we set it up and it didn't work. Oh, no, (laughs) it didn't work. And so he says. This 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 guy who hired us, he says, Well, she's not leaving till this works. And oh, no. it took him about 12 weeks to get it to work. And <laughs> I often tell that story why it's my favorite, because he he put me up in his penthouse. So I had his entire penthouse all to myself, beautiful view. I mean, it was not awful to be in Key West for I think it was like 12 weeks or something. Um, it was a great experience. And um you know, I, I, I had to learn in that moment, you know, how how to move gracefully through a tough situation. But I often say, How tough can it be when you're in a penthouse in Key West? Right? Exactly. And you're 25 years old. So yeah. I mean I, I was having a great time. So that is one one fun experience. And and of course, you know, they remained customers of ours for 15 years. They later shut down the museum and ended up uh moving some of the assets. But um, it's now just a restaurant, so they don't need ticketing anymore. Uh, but it was it was a great experience to work with them. I think another one that I really love to tell the story about is, you know, we were working and I can mention this one, Atlantis in the Bahamas. We did the um, access control for the kids club. So we were scanning passports and making so it goes beyond ticketing. Right. So you buy a ticket for this, but then we would also scan the passports to verify the age of the people who would be in the kids clubs. Because they segment out by age groups. And I spent some time in the Bahamas working on this project, and everybody says, You're so lucky you get to go to Atlantis. And it was like being a kid in a candy store because I'm stuck in like a basement IT department. I never really even got to walk the property because we were working on this project. But, you know, it was really neat because back then, and this was probably 2010, we were moving um, the people there from cash registers. So we were teaching them how to use computers and, you know, modernizing the experience there. And, and, and I think, I think that was, I I guess those are my two favorite stories to tell, but there's 20 more. I mean, it's been 20 years. (laughs)
0: I'm sure you handled them both like a boss, babe, that you are. I can imagine, like, looking back to, you know, how I was when I first started using computers, like, back in college, I'm like, what's that? That thing's weird. I can imagine you may have gotten quite a bit of pushback from some of the people you were working with, like, the actual, in the businesses.
1: Yeah, I tell the story all the time. You know, I come from, back when season passes were given, you know, we would, take a Polaroid picture and laminate it. And then, you know, coming on to this team, and I think it was 2002, I came on the team, you know, having then to move people from that type of low tech, no tech to <laughs> high tech. And, you know, a majority of my work was spent teaching people how to use computers. Because if, if you were in the industry at that time, you likely didn't grow up with computers. I didn't. right. I mean, at least not, I mean, there were computers in the home, but I didn't grow up in a family that had one. So
0: got it. Was, uh, so I have to ask you, how on earth did you even get into this industry?
1: You know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting story. I was working for a family entertainment center in Southern California, and I had, you know, even from a young age, like even my first job at 16, I started running other people's businesses for them. I, I had wow. my first. My first job, I ended up just kind of like, maybe it was ignorance because I didn't have any real fear and um, of of the risk of business because I really wasn't taking on the risk, but I was running these businesses. My first job, I ran a restaurant and then um, later moved on to this family entertainment center. The owner was really hands off, let me run the place. And I was able to take his business far beyond where he had ever taken it, including to sell, which is why I no longer had a job. But I was using GateMaster. And uh, one of the uh, one of the guys who worked was on the team. He he knew that I was kind of a super user of this tech because that's really I leveraged I used I used quite a lot of the technology to leverage um, what I was doing to grow that business. And so I knew how big of an impact this tech could have. And when the founder was looking for somebody, not only to help him create the second iteration of the tech, but also support the clients, um, somebody recommended me. So it's just, a, it's the important, you know, when we talk all the time about networking and everything's about who, you know, right. I feel very lucky that in that moment, somebody knew me and recommended me for this. And I didn't think that I would ever be the CEO. I I honestly just was happy to be on the team and to be involved in technology. And, and at that time, I, I think we were less than 10% women were. So wow. it was just a cool experience.
0: That's amazing. I can imagine that that probably had to have felt at the time very empowering, even though um, you were very young and didn't necessarily know like all of the ins and outs and exactly, you know, the impact of what had been happening. Right. That is so cool. And it sounds like, you know, some of it might be you just kind of followed the path and this is where you were supposed to go and you were like really, really good at it. Yeah. And, you know, I also, you know,
1: one of the things, so I, I spoke on stage for uh, uh, an organization called Women Impact Tech a few times, and they've often asked me to talk about, you know, how did I get here? And it's, you know, I think if I can think of one thing that led me to where I am today, it was just a willingness to be able to solve problems and to see it through. You know, Grant says, you mentioned that we met at a 10X event, and Grant says all the time, you know, you can't lose if you don't quit. And I feel like that uh, that really resonates with me because I just never quit on anything. I will see it through till the end. It might not be perfect and I might make mistakes along the way, but even if I make a mistake, I'm willing to s- stick with it and try and solve that and be a part of the solution, not just the problem or the mistake that, that might have been created. Because I mean, even still today, so much of what we're doing as this company is growing and becoming what it is. Um, and it's a 30-year-old company, it's it's seen many different lives, is a function of us taking risks and not giving up.
0: Exactly. I love what you said. You can't lose if you don't quit. And like, even the like you said, if you don't achieve the result that you want, the facts that you never gave up, like that in itself makes you a winner, right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> I keep trying by golly to, to yeah. like get some resolution here. I love that so much. So what is on the horizon for you, my young dear, my young lady?
1: You know, I am I'm headed this in two weeks to the uh, Ticketing Fairness Coalition, you know, just trying to get more involved in not necessarily the politics of ticketing, but maybe the ethics of ticketing. Like you said, you you might have had some interesting experiences buying tickets for these festivals and events and really, you know, using, leveraging my expertise, you know, it's been 23 years. And just speaking about not quitting, you know, I, if I had, I I had no idea that, you know, I would, eventually be seen as an expert in this space, a global expert in how ticketing should be done. Yeah. And now leveraging that time that I spent to become an expert in my lane. I mean, there's a lot of things I'm not an expert in, but this is certainly um, somewhere that I feel confident in. And I feel like there is a big impact that I can make in terms of leveraging what I've learned over the years and then what we know to be successful for the venues that we work with. We work very closely with them. In fact, we're oftentimes managing the ticket booths for many of the venues that we work with. So we learn so much about these businesses and how we can help them. And I I feel like the next step for me is some, I, I I don't, I I don't, I don't know if I want to be on a board, but I know that they're calling me. And I think there's, there's a place where I can have impact there and, and make some changes in the future of business and maybe even, you know, create more space for women. Right. Because it's still a very male dominated field.
0: That would be fantastic. Now I want to go back to something that you touched on regarding the ethics of ticketing. Like What are some things that have happened that could be considered ethical? Like, I'm 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 curious to find out, like, what would that look like?
1: Well, you know, um, I I think when they talk, you know, know, there's been most of the issues that we see in ticketing have to do with piracy and theft. Right. And then also, you know, now that we see all these ticket exchanges, you know, there's all sorts of problems that come with that and you know the last thing that you want to have happen is somebody told me a story just a couple of weeks ago at Intix about how they had a grandmother and a granddaughter who showed up to a Broadway show and they had purchased fake tickets oh no and both of them are sitting in this venue in tears because they were expecting to have this amazing you know family experience and they were being turned away and how do we work on making sure that that doesn't happen because to me you know what e- even more so than the cool things that i'm doing in this business you know experiences i think are a human uh a quality of life mm-hmm. experience right these are quality of life experiences they change the way that we we look at the future and we look fondly on them in the past and it's a way that many people use to connect with family and friends and the last thing you want are people crying in the lobby sad because they have fake tickets? And that is really, a isn't that a shame? Like that is heartbreaking to me.
0: Oh. Yeah, that explains why I've seen at a lot of venues. They have the, um, I guess it looks like a QR code or something and it's ever changing. So you can't like screenshot it and share it with somebody, right? Because it's going to keep like, what do you call that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like a
0: rotating, It's a, they call it like a rotating QR code. Yeah. Yeah, And
1: that's, and that's why they're, that's why they're having to implement that. But, you know, that also makes things far more complex for you, right. To manage that. So, you know, those are the things that we're looking at. How can we create a better experience and still uh, not only maintain the value of that ticket, but also prevent any of the theft that can happen. And I think there's a lot of things that can be done and, you know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel necessarily, but it takes people who have been doing this a long time to recognize, because we still have venues that want to go back in time. And we're like, no, you don't want to do that. No, absolutely Those old, I, I was on a call just the other day and somebody recommended to the venue that they, you know, pay, put, punch a hole in the ticket. And I'm like, <laughs> no. no, that's not what we want. That's not what we want to do. This is not idea. You know, 1995. <laughs> so, you know, that, that, that's what I mean about it. But then also things like, you know, there's, when we talk about, uh, ethics, you know, some of these companies will charge $25 a service charge per ticket. And that creates a real barrier for people in, in certain demographics to be able to even attend these events. Mm-hmm. So when we look at like, um, you know inclusion of everyone you know are those things affecting that so I, I i those are things that i'm really advocating for and looking into but that's also what brings me back to you got to have something for everybody
0: yeah absolutely that reminds me of a recent venue that we purchased tickets for and like to your point the service fee was almost as much as the price of the ticket we're like seriously. <laughs> and we yeah. paid it, of course, because we, we wanted to go see the artist, but uh, it can get a little bit ridiculous. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: I mean, you're forced into it. And I mean, and, and I mean, uh, in this next couple of weeks, you know, they're going to pre- be presenting some of the cases against, you know, uh, that artists have brought against the ticketing systems because of that barrier, right? They want, I mean, we have cheap seats. And we have expensive seats. There's something for everybody. But when some what we're finding is that even some of these fees can create that barrier for people. And, and you know, maybe that's where the fairness comes in.
0: Yeah, we, we don't want that. So, yeah. Sandra, if a business wanted to hire you to take care of their ticketing needs, like how would somebody get a hold of you? you can find you can you can get a hold of us right there at uh,
1: on our website gatemaster.com. dot com g a s t e I'm totally miss it g a t.
0: me type in it. a banner here for You're everybody. <laughs>
1: it's g a t e m a s t e r yeah. Okay, I've been saying this for twenty years. I can't believe I just <laughs> I just got tongue twisted there. That's why I always tell people that's what you get when you have a dyslexic
0: CEO. The, the, right yeah. the there we go
1: did I spell that correctly yeah gamemaster.com and you can you know there's a, a ch- there's a chat right there you can sign up for a discovery call but you can also find me on on LinkedIn okay um I'm just Saunders Shannon on LinkedIn I uh, I actually have a live show and we talk about a lot of these things with ticketing and how we can solve these problems interview people who are making impact in ticketing and even just in attractions in general I don't just focus on ticketing. I try to bring in experts that are in the different lanes that I'm not in just to help these attractions and ticketed venues uh, be more successful at what they do. Um, but I would I would love to have you join me. Any of your audience that's, join me if you're interested.
0: That's fantastic. And do they find that on the gatemaster.com website? There there is a place for the live with Sandra
1: on the gatemaster.com website, but you can also follow me on LinkedIn and I Post those shows a couple weeks ahead of time, so they it's a live show, so it's can be dirty sometimes. You know, it's like just raw, and and we're just having a conversation, and and it's live, so I always have to warn people. You know, it's not it's not a pre
0: recorded show, so anything goes. Anything I, I, I love do. it. And <laughs> for for those of you who aren't actually watching this broadcast and you're just listening, Sandra is spelled with an O S O N D R A. Sandra Shannon. So there we go. Well, Sandra, it's been such a pleasure seeing you again and chatting with you and finding out so much information about ticketing and events. And it was just very interesting to me. And thank you for all that you do to help the rest of us have a wonderful experience. Thank you,
1: I appreciate that. That is so nice of you. And thank you for having me today. This is lovely.
0: You're welcome. I will get this over to you and I hope you all have a wonderful and blessed day and a weekend and we will see you next time